Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. tonight on pretended faith versus real faith. How do we know the difference? How can we get pretended faith in certain areas? Um, how do we know if it's pretended faith? And what do we do about it? And so I want you to see pretended faith as fake news. Everybody knows what that term means. It doesn't matter if you're on this side of the aisle, then they're having fake news. If you're on this side of the aisle, they're having fake news. And how many know the only author behind any real fake news is Satan? Okay, so I don't need to say what the enemy wants me to say. I need to say what Holy Spirit is showing me and giving me a revelation to say. Now, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are supposed to renew our minds reading his word, right? Okay. When I renew my mind, I'm understanding it with my brain, okay, with my brain, what I'm supposed to be believing now. And this is, this is how, this is how it works anywhere. If you're born in a different place and you're hearing with your brain, you know, you hear with ears, but you're reading and it goes into your brain, you're being taught how to think. You're being taught what to think. Does everybody get that? There's no real power in what, what you are taught to think, right? Because every religion teaches people what to think. Every, every, everything in culture that wants you to... It, regardless of which political side you want to be on, they're going to have a way they want you to think. They don't want you to think outside of the way they want you to think. Does everybody get that? So I want everybody to understand that. When you read God's word, you are finding out how God wants you to think. But when somebody in a different religion reads what their beliefs are, they're going to want to think that, right? And people actually begin to act upon what they put in their brains. That's why you need to take very seriously what you're watching, what you're listening to, what your children are watching, what your children are listening to. You need to take it really seriously. And you need to make sure that if you don't have an option, like with your job or if your kids have to go to public school or whatever, um, you need to make sure that you're spending a lot of time renewing your mind in what God says. And parents, you need to make sure that you quit pretending that what's going on in the schools or on TV or around their friends is not affecting them because it is affecting them, right? Okay, it's affecting you. It, don't pretend it's not. It's affecting you. Don't pretend it's not affecting your kids. Who they hang out with, what they hear, it affects them. That's why your parents don't want you hanging around with people who don't believe in God and his word. And it does affect you. So we need to make sure that we don't, though, we don't want to get confused with a renewed mind equating faith because they're not the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are to renew our minds. But if my renewed mind, if I then think that's faith, then I'm looking like I'm promoting fake news because I say it and it doesn't happen. And pretty soon, if I say it enough and it doesn't happen, I'm going to lose my credibility. Now, it's sad that people judge God and his word by us. But guess what? That's what they see. That's what they see. 
They see what we say. They see what we believe. That's what they see. Um, so I want everybody to understand that we're called to renew our mind. Okay. The reason they want to change our history books is because they don't want your mind renewed on your real history. They want to make up history. Okay. So I want to read God's word. I want to know history of our God. I want to know history of Christianity. I want to know history that God has written down for us through his prophets and all, right? And it comes through their inspiration from God. So I want to, to read that. Now, if I only read that and I don't have a relationship with the Lord, yielded to Holy Spirit, it's just religion. It's just religion. And you can get really superior about having religion that you know is true. Well, my religion is true. Well, they're going to think theirs is true also. And religion by itself, even if it's Christian religion, is not going to have the impact of Christian relationship, of a person's relationship with Christ. And it's actually going to turn people away. It's going to turn your kids off. It's going to turn your neighbors off. It's going to turn your coworkers off. And the only reason it won't turn you off is because you get an identity in knowing what God's word says. And then you have something you can believe in. Um, and you can settle there and not go any further and realizing he didn't die just so you could read his Bible. He wants a relationship with you. And you need his word because you want to understand how he feels about things. You want to see what Jesus said and how he did things. And so I'm not in any way taken away from the need from the word of God. Does everybody understand that? But I am saying if that's where your, if that's where your Christianity stops, then you have a religious spirit. You have what could be a Pharisee spirit. You, what we could call a Pharisee spirit. For those who aren't used to Christian language, that means there was a guy, there was a Pharisee in the book of Exodus. And anyway, he did not want God's people to worship God. And so he chose to, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's a Pharaoh spirit. Sorry about that. That's a Pharaoh spirit. Pharisee spirit, same kind of spirit of control. Pharisee spirit is somebody who knows the word, knows the word, knows the word, study the word, scholar in the word, knows Greek, Hebrew, everything else back then, whatever they called it back then, Arabic. But they don't know the God of the word. And so they could sit there and they can debate with you and they could tell you where every scripture is and they, and they get puffed up in knowing God's word, especially if they can know it better than someone else. And so that doesn't produce what Jesus Christ died to bring, which is love. It produces judgment. It produces superiority. It produces you trying to make things line up to his word. And it's very, um, it's very much can cross over into pretended faith. Especially if you've been around people with real faith. Because it's like, oh, this is how that works. This is how that works. So we want to have a desire to know God, to really know God. And you shouldn't, that, that should be such a priority that you're much more reading the word to get to know God then you're reading the word to get to know the word. Like you can read the book of Exodus. You can read the whole thing about Moses and see so much about God that it's amazing. You can study how God acted to those people who murmured. You can see how, what keeps you out of the promise. And it's amazing how the entire word, the old covenant and the new covenant really reveals God. It's amazing. And it, and it shows you in the new covenant, the new Testament, what Jesus had to pay 
to set us free from only having the word without his spirit in us. But he always had those prophets or those people who were led by his spirit, right? And they're the ones who wrote the word. But that's a lot different than you having to follow a person who follows God. God did it now so that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can follow God. Does that make sense? And so I'm just going to give you some examples of, of how this is affecting uh, the world coming against us and how, um, how we're losing a lot of credibility because there's so much what I call pretended faith and people imitating somebody else's walk with God or reading their story and thinking, well, that's got to be me because they have it. And until you're in a real trial and you really see if, it, if, if you know God and if you hear God and if you walk with God and see the teaching we did last Tuesday night, that was, I think that was one of my most powerful, you guys need it kind of teaching. And how to, how to get through a trial, how to walk through a storm. And there's so many things in that teaching, right? Because there's no formula. But when you start to walk this out, you see things. So um, just, a, just a recent example that's so serious. This, this is why all this is really fresh to me, because personally it was years ago when I walked through it. But when I saw, when you begin to see that someone can cross over into pretended faith, which is always pride, okay? Why? Because pride means separation from God. Pride means independent from God. Satan took all his gifts, all his knowledge, all the things he'd seen in the, in the real kingdom of God, all the things he's operated in, and he thought, you know what? I only need this. I don't need the God of this. If I get rid of the God of this, I can be in charge because really outside of, outside of God, there was no one greater in, God's, in all of God's creation, because God wasn't created, right? In all of God's creation, Lucifer was one of, his, one of his most powerful creations, probably the most powerful creation. And so when Lucifer chose to separate himself from God, he knew what he was doing. He wanted that glory. He wanted that power. He knew he had it. And so he thought, you know what? I can do this better than God. I don't need God to do this. Ooh. Okay, get that. Pretended faith doesn't need God to do it. You think you can do it. You think you can do it by saying it, decreeing it, declaring it, swearing it, whatever. You think you can do it. And what's missing is God, who is the only one who can really do it. Does that make sense? And so you've got to start to say, wait a minute. A am I really hearing the Lord and doing what he's showing me? Or am I just doing what seems like a good thing to do as a Christian or what I've seen somebody else do? And this isn't about condemnation, okay? The minute you get in condemnation, you're not in Christ Jesus. And if you live in condemnation, you're not in the kingdom, just so you know, you've got to get really saved and you've got to let go of letting the devil be your judge and you've got to enter into the things of God. You cannot operate in faith in condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, none. So even when the Lord shows me a lot of things in the last few days, things about pride in my heart, um, there was no condemnation. He's so nice. He's even like, well, you know, all these things you did well, you know, and this was me and this was me and, you know, but it puffed you up here and then you got hard hearted here and now we're going to do this. He's so kind with it, but he's real about it. He's going to show you if he never shows you anything like this, then I question if you have a walk with him or are you just living a pretended faith? And we're going to get into this month on Tuesday nights. We're going to talk about a mocking spirit. We're going to talk about a counterfeit of spirituality. We're going to talk about how do you know which is which and mixture. This is so needed in the church. This is why part of the church wants nothing to do with the other part of the church. And they both think that their viewpoint is right. Does that not sound like our politics? And it's why the enemy is able to get in. We have to begin to humble ourselves 
in the sight of the Lord. Say, Lord, show me me. Show me me. Show me where, where any of this stuff is going on. Quit acting as if he's not going to show you something. And quit being afraid that he will. That's what he does in love because he's a good father. He's going to correct us and discipline us. He says so. For a short season, it might be painful. He says so. But he loves us too much to let us get off track. So it, what's, what's interesting is you can be in real faith and do what the Lord's showing you. But it doesn't take like two seconds to make it a formula. And the minute I make it a formula or you make it a formula, guess what? You're not in real faith. You could be operating a true principle of God's, call it practice. <laughs> but it's only real faith when Holy Spirit is having you to do it. It's only real faith when God's in it. It doesn't mean you're going to know how many know usually when it's really God it he just shows up you know it's him and you're like amazed like oh my gosh and you know how close you were to missing it you know how if this was really up to you this would have been bad news when it's really God it's like that scripture just is there or you go where you're supposed to go and you hear the preach it's like oh so many so many times you guys come up to me and or people will even text us online or whatever comment or whatever you call it and say Oh, I need to, I have people say, who told you that? Why did you say that? I didn't know anything God does. Because God knows everything. And so he wants to, he wants this to be about him knowing everything and you going along for the ride. And it's an awesome ride because he's God. And it's going to build your trust and build your trust, your trust in God, your confidence in God. Okay, and in that building of your trust and building of your confidence, you're going to enter into real faith. You're going to enter into something really real and everything changes when it's real faith. When it's real faith, there's a peace. There's this grace that flows. You don't always need the same amount of grace for everything. So there, there was, um, let me just give an example. If you're facing a situation and, and doctors are involved. And you begin to pray that the doctors don't. It's one thing to pray, Lord, heal me so, the do so I don't need surgery. Okay, it's one thing to pray, Lord, would you heal me so I don't need surgery? Show me how to get that healing because he's already, he's already finished. He's already poured out healing. Lord, show me how to get to that healing. So that I don't, I, I really would prefer the healing than a surgery. But let's say you start to think, well, if the doctors just say I don't need surgery. Especially, let's say you're praying for someone else. Let's say you're praying for, for your spouse or one of your kids. And you know that you know you don't want them to go through surgery. Like you know you don't want them to go through surgery or chemo or whatever. But when you begin to pray, hopefully you don't pray like this, but this is when it crosses over into counterfeit. So let's say you pray, oh Lord, please don't let them give him any um, medicine. Please don't let the doctors give him any medicine. And, and even to the point where you, lose, you use spiritual law such a binding and loosing incorrectly. For example, when you bind something, it means you forbid it. And let me explain this correctly, because I don't think this is almost ever taught correctly. He says, we bind on earth, and then he binds in the heavens, which means I'm not, if I'm binding on the earth, I literally have to see who is operating in something that's not of God. And I have to bind that thing that I literally see. In other words, so let's say this would be a wrong prayer. This would be a pretended faith prayer to, to say, I forbid the doctor's from doing surgery on my child. You're not the doctor. Who, what are you there for? Okay. Now what can happen if let's say, you know, you pray something. God, I just, do you take, you take a spiritual law of binding and loosing. And so you bind, like I forbid, or I bind these doctors. They cannot operate on my child. 
or they cannot give my child medicine or they can't. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you starting to see the seriousness of this? Because now you got a demon going, did you hear that? We can do everything we can now to cause that doctor to not do the surgery that's needed or not give them prescription that's needed. Do y'all, are you getting what I'm saying? Anybody? Okay. So now here's a doctor who God gave you the best doctor. God put you in a position. He's showing you how to do the warfare so you can trust God to work through the doctor. That's true submission. Wives, watching God work through your husband. That's true submission. Parent, I mean, kids, kids over there. You too. Look up here, look up here. Trusting God to work through your parents. That's true submission. Can everybody get that? That's true submission. It's not, I'm not leaving this in the hands of a doctor. I'm leaving this in the hands of God, but I'm trusting him to use the doctor. And that's a whole nother teaching. But if you want to get out of pretended faith and get out of Christian witchcraft, you need to listen. Because you could have such a powerful influence but release it in the wrong way. And now you have doctors second-guessing what their expertise would have them to do. Isn't that horrible? And when you start really looking at the consequences of this. So, so what would we do that would be real? Okay, what would real faith look like? What would real... Faith is you can only be where you're at, okay? So real faith would be, God, give me the grace to trust you to use this doctor to make the right decision. And then you focus there. You get word scriptures about that. You, you ask God to help you. You do in, let God heal any hurt place in you where, where you were hospitalized as a child or you saw someone die after surgery. Or Do you see what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden, all those things I said um, on the teaching last week, which we'll link on here somewhere, um, now all of a sudden I was like, oh, I see where I can need to be healed in a hurt place here. If I was hurt, I, I saw a woman die who the doctors caught her cancer really early. But she had a generational curse of breast cancer. And she was determined. She made an inner vow. She was never going to go through chemo like she watched her mother go through. Now, her mother's situation, I'm not positive on the details, but I'm pretty sure her mother went through chemo and then died. And that's a horrible thing. But I don't know what stage they caught it. Her mom was a lot older. Who knows what the treatments were back then? So when, when she had cancer, they caught it really early. The doctors were so excited that they caught it early, and this was something that was extremely treatable at this stage. And that interval she made as a kid, watching her mother go through chemo and hating it, and then after that, finding the Word of God and getting into the faith movement, and now thinking, okay, if we just say this word, we never have to go through that. Okay, do you know when you never have to go through chemo? When you never have cancer, where you have to go through chemo. Is this helping? Get the real faith. The real faith is then deal now with anything that the devil could try to bring cancer on you. Deal now with any areas where you saw somebody die to cancer or generational curse of cancer. Get serious in your prayer time with God and let's quit living by the seat of our pants in the next trial and the next trial and the next trial and getting beat up all the time and releasing fake news that causes nobody to believe what we're saying. See the areas where you've been wounded. Ask Holy Spirit to show you. Ask Holy Spirit about the generational curses. Spend some time talking to God. See where you judged someone who was an addict or someone who did this or something. The things you judge can come back at you. It's a spiritual law. Does everybody get what I'm saying? And so... So in this situation, um, I heard this person praying. I'm like, well, you can't pray like that. 
their intentions were good. There wasn't anything. But it's like, well, you can't pray like that. You can't forbid a doctor from doing his job. You just release witchcraft in this. So what do you do? You pray, Lord, give them wisdom. Lord, I ask that everything operating to try to cause confusion is bound in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that of all the options that they have, that they would hear you and you would give them the right uh, direction to do what needs to be done. And Father, if nothing needs to be done, that they would know it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? And you need to weigh your words carefully because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so we teach people, oh, just say this. Say. No, no, you need to know what you're doing. What is the Bible called the word? A sword. Well, we shouldn't just pick up a sword and wham it all around and Okay, if he calls it a sword, how many know that's powerful? But in that day, they didn't have uh, machine guns. He might would call this something like an atomic bomb today. Right? But he's basically saying this is a real weapon. If you put it in the hands of the enemy, it's going to bring death. If you put it in the hands of faith, of angels, of, of Holy Spirit-led people, it's going to bring life and abundant. So I think we need to get back to reverence, fear of the Lord. And we've got to quit the murmuring, the complaining, and the blaming God and all the wrong things that are being taught. And we have to say, this is serious stuff. What I pray is serious. That's why I don't just have anybody pray for me. I want you guys to be, and those who are watching, to become people who really know how to pray, who really know how to use God's sword, right? I want you to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit, yielded to faith, and get these other things out of your heart. Never operate in fear. The minute you operate in fear, it is not faith. And we talked about this last, last week on the for those who are watching, I, I don't know what, the, what we entitled it, but I think it's like how to get through a trial or how to get through a storm or something like that. But you need to know what's real. Now, when we're talking about this pretended faith, or let's call it pride-based faith, which isn't really faith, or pride or fear-based faith, which isn't really faith. So either behind it is fear or pride, fear or pride. And, and behind that, it's going to be a push. It's going to be a sense of, i got to make this happen. And you're not even looking for God in it almost. You already know what you're supposed to do, and you're going to do it no matter what, and you're going to make this work no matter what, and you're going to wear yourself out. I, I just want to encourage those people who've walked in this stuff, it is so much more fun to hang out with God and watch him do the miraculous. One thing, I was talking to somebody today, and the Lord had just convicted them. And it pushes us into pride. It pushes us into pride when we decide how God has to do something. And one thing that they said really stood out. I said, I'm going to share that tonight. They said, you know, God was showing me I'm, it had to be all or nothing. And we've kind of become prideful like that. About everything. If, if they don't say everything right, then I'm not receiving any of it. If they don't, you know, wait a minute. When I make a declaration, it's got to be all or nothing. I'm kind of telling God what he can and can't do and which spiritual law, spiritual law has nothing to do with it. And am I, do I really want to say, okay, God, either I'm ready to get everything you have in this miracle or I don't want anything. <laughs> no, everybody's like, no, no, no. Right. It's like, it's like, no, no, if, if God in his great mercy does the miraculous that man cannot do, then am I going to get disappointed if the things that God has given men ability to do and that's where my faith is really at or I have to be humbled to go there, whatever it is, and then God's going to say, 
you know, now, now work your real faith. Wouldn't you just want to have a gigantic celebration that God did the miraculous so there's even a battle for you to be in so that you can grow? But now all or nothing is like, well, either he did it or he didn't. And that's the attitude in a lot of the church. That's why there's so much division. It's not all or nothing. It's what is really God and what isn't. What is really God? Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And what is left? That what's required in the what's left? What's required in the what's left? Well, probably maybe your faith. Maybe your faith growing. Maybe your action. Maybe your repentance. May all the things we talked about last week. I need to get the name of that. I don't know if we've named it yet. Because this can be one to fall back on and listen to and listen to and listen to. We don't, we, our God knows how to do everything, right? But he is after specific things. And he's not going to change his mind because you want him to be like Santa Claus. Or you get in pride and you want to take credit for look what, look what my faith did or look what, you know. Remember, pride goes before destruction. You could have faith. So this could even explain why some people who had powerful faith and then die suddenly. Pride could have got in there. That's not for us to judge. Judge not least you be judged the same way, right? But how many know there is a true reason behind it and you're going to find this out for sure. God is faithful even when we're not. It's not the other way around. And we don't have a God you can never understand. We have a God who says, come reason with me. I'll never be able to comprehend the vastness of God and the power of God. That's why he says in Job, who are you? <laughs> God's like, okay, you want to have an attitude? Come here. Like, when did you decide where the ocean had to stop? Could you tell me the day you came up with that? And exactly when did I ask you your opinion about this? Like, you know, God is not sitting there wringing his hands that some people don't think he knows how to make them male and female. Sometimes we want God to prove something to somebody. The cross is all he's ever going to do to prove anything. And it's only by faith you get saved. And faith comes from God. So if you want to pray, pray that God, please God, give them faith. Lord, please, in your mercy, give them faith. Heal that hurt place. Whatever it is, he shows you to really pray. Okay. Um, one of my main purposes for wanting to do this tonight and for those watching, I want us to hate pretended faith. I want us to see how dangerous it is. I want us to see how Satan can use it to really hurt you and turn your kids off completely to the things of God. Cause your spouses not to believe God. Cause everybody to question you. And then when that happens, recognize there was so much pride in that. That remember, to get this picture, when it crosses into pride, it allows or brings destruction. So that means destroying of relationships, destroying of health, destroying of finances, destroying of, if just put destroying of, okay, then look at your life and see where there's anything destroyed. Is your health destroyed? Why? Are your finances destroyed? Why? Are your relationships, go through relationships, which ones are not destroyed? Quit blaming everybody else and stop a minute and say, Do, did I get pride here? Did I get some pride that because I know this or I go to this church or I've heard this teaching or I've seen this miracle because pride goes before destruction. I believe right now the biggest issue in the church in our nation is pride. I believe when you see people pointing at different I'm going to put this in here so I can put this word on, on YouTube. Like what happened at Asbury Revival. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's one of those words that, anyway, keyword, put that one in there. Anyhow, at least I'm authentic. Ooh, that's a good word too. Anyhow, 
But do you see what I'm saying? When some, when I'm looking on there and they're like, we're going to give you our opinion of this. I don't care about your opinion. And God doesn't either. Why do you? It's kind of prideful. But hey, we kind of all walk in. I mean, so I'm, I'm getting humbled these days. Just so you all know, I'm really getting humbled where it's like, oh my gosh, Lord, who am I to say anything about anything? Thank you that you're moving. And then, okay, I'm going to help you out a little bit. But that little thing inside of you that thinks something, but you now know enough not to say it out loud, deal with that little thing. Right? Deal with that little thing. That little thing says, I know not to say it because that would just not be right. Well, why am I thinking it? Take that thing that's thinking it to God. And the Lord's been showing me, even in this thing that he's pouring out, and this revival that he's pouring out, don't you want him to go get the people that have been so put off by the pretended faith? Don't you want him to go get the people who have been wounded and hurt by things they don't understand when showmanship got on it or, or selfish ambition got on it or trying to make money or lording it over people or all the other things that are on everything? Aren't you so thankful that he's not trying to go by your game plan and he has a better one that's going to make you have to be humbled? He's doing it. I'm amazed. I'm sitting here watching God humble the whole body of Christ. And I'm watching God deal with heart issues. At the same time, I'm watching him go after people and denominations that are breaking up, splitting up. He's shaking those. That's, your, that's what you see in Revelations 2 and 3. He's going and he's saying, I'm taking lampstands. He's taking away lampstands. Because he doesn't care what name you put on your church building. He's, he's departing from where they're grieving his spirit. He's departing from where there's pride. He's departing from where they're not preaching his word. But look how he's going after the kids first. He's amazing. He goes, okay, you might not get in the promised land. But even Moses, he said, well, I'll let the next generation get in. You might have made fun of and mocked people who felt the presence of God and acted like it was real. Let me pour it out on your kids so they can make a decision. And if your kids have been turned off or your grandkids or whoever, your neighbors have been turned off because of so much pretended faith or things they've seen or maybe they're just whatever, aren't you glad there's somewhere they can go now and feel the presence of God and be drawn in by Holy Spirit? He's amazing. He's, he's showing us how he is going to bring together all the body and he's going to get rid of all the prideful things and all the things. Does that, does that mean I don't believe in signs and wonders? No, I believe in signs and wonders. I still move in signs and wonders. I believe in healing. I, I'm thankful to be where I believe in all that. I'm thankful to know him. I'm thankful to see his miracles. But I'm also thankful that he's so merciful that we're human beings in the church, even though we're filled with the Holy Spirit, have turned a lot of people off. God is still going to go and answer our prayers. Isn't he amazing? He's amazing. And he's hum we should be being humbled in this season. We should be humbled. You know, when we're watching um, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and college uh, prayers being answered. And, okay, the only prayers that ever get answered are prayers that, that originated with Jesus Christ, the intercessor. So quit patting ourselves all over the back with our pride that we prayed this. Just be thankful that some people prayed what, Holy, what Jesus was interceding for. Same for our nation. When we watch things unfold, what we're watching unfold that we've prayed for, the only attitude we should have is thank you God that we heard you thank you God that we got your heart in this thank you God you showed us how to pray 
because only the prayers that line up with Jesus as the interceder, because that's what he's doing now, are the prayers that are answered in your own life, in my life, in anybody's life. It all comes back to it's about Jesus. It's not about your opinion of Jesus. It's not about your opinion. I, I don't even like the ones where they're like, see, and he's going to use the nameless and faceless. So he may stick a bunch of names and faces in there. What are you going to do about it? Pray for those names and faces that they don't get puffed up and get destroyed in it. And thank God that there's somebody who's okay with having a name and a face. But also be thankful that he doesn't have to use a name and a face. How about let him do what he wants? But nobody's up there talking who doesn't have a name and a face. And just because you don't know now, they'll probably already be having a YouTube channel next week and be going as a guest speaker or how they started the revival somewhere. And guess what? Pretty soon they'll probably have a name and a face. Now, if they sing really bad, maybe not. Because I've seen the presence of God at camp. And it didn't take a lot of talent sometimes. <laughs> but I'm going to behave because I got really in trouble by Holy Spirit the first time I went there. I thought they were kidding. This was years ago. It was a Pentecostal camp and everybody dressed like they were wearing their upholstery. And back then, and, and, and I, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, no makeup, no anything, just very Pentecostally. And, and um, they sang the same song for like two hours. And there was some anointing on it, but it was like, I, th I seriously thought they were kidding. Because I'd only heard kind of nice sounding music <laughs> in church. And I remember I was making fun of it in my little critical, self-righteous, holier-than-thou self. And God let me have it. He just said, who are you? Who do you think you are to touch those people worshiping me? They're not, this isn't about entertaining you. This is about them worshiping me. And I'm their judge. I mean, he, if God doesn't ever let you have it, the Bible says you're illegitimate. Is there anybody in here illegitimate? The world I know where definitely is. <laughs> we belong to Jesus. Okay. Are there any questions? Yes. What's a good series to deal with pride? Probably come now. No, I mean, we're going to be gradually dealing with a lot of pride right now. Uh, I'm sure there's one, you can ask Nicole, she put them together, but I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure we have teaching on it. Um, I know we have one from way back, but you know what? I haven't taught on this in a long time. I was probably too prideful, but, um, but as, how many know, as I get humbled, I take everybody along for the ride. That's kind of my gifting. So I puffed you guys up and now I'm going to bring you down with <laughs> my Holy Spirit. But, um, you know, with anything, just ask the Lord to show you. Be and then just get ready when he does. And thank God he's merciful. Just remember, pride is any time we jump in and try to do something without him being in charge of it. Where we go, what we do, if we minister, well, everything. And so if we want to get away from pretended faith, we have to get away from trying to prove anything. The enemy sets us up by making us feel like we have to prove something. We have to prove that we know God. We have to prove that he's called us. We have to prove something. And proving something will cause the enemy to start to push us because we have nothing to prove. If I no longer live, but Christ lives in me is a reality, then how can I prove anything? And, and these biblical truths are powerful but it's death to the flesh that makes them real for us. So you have to, you've got to get real sensitive without being in condemnation, like what you're really thinking. Because there's the thoughts of the enemy and th those are not, those aren't really not an issue in my life. Mine are the thoughts of me. <laughs> my real thoughts. Because you have three trying to speak to you in your thinking, you've got the enemy, demonic, and you can tell those they're usually, they're, they're either real seductive or they're really just perverted or they're condemning 
Okay, all those thoughts, are e they're evil, or they puff you up. Okay, th those are all from the enemy. And then you have the Holy Spirit's thoughts, which are convicting, but also loving and build us up and help us to see who are in Christ and they're going to line up with his word, right? But then there's this other thoughts. And that's our flesh. The carnal mind is an enemy to the things of God. So know that your carnal mind, your personal thoughts are an enemy. Because they're going to try to get you to operate without being led by God. They're going to try to get you to prove something. They're going to try to get you to identify with something. You get what I'm saying? They're going to get you to judge. It, do, it doesn't even take a devil to do that stuff, okay? That's the carnal mind. That's the carnal mind. It doesn't go into the demonic till you really embrace it. And let, let's say, so the carnal mind says, oh, this is, this is interesting. I want to watch this. But you know, as soon as you start watching it, I shouldn't be watching this. And then if you keep watching it, your carnal mind, you got tempted there. But now the enemy gets in there. Next thing you know, you're watching more of that garbage and partaking more of it. You see what I'm saying? But, but you have your free will. You have a free will uh, mind. You have a free will carnal mind. Your carnal mind, everybody, everybody's carnal mind is an enemy to the things of the spirit, to the spirit mind. Okay. Cause we've fallen. So we've got to learn to get our carnal mind under our spiritual mind. We've got to, we've got to really get to a place where we die to self. That's what Paul calls it. We're going to die daily to self today. I'm going to take now, what's going to keep my carnal mind trying to be in charge, trying to prove something? Unforgiveness. Um, uh, anything where we don't feel complete in Christ. Anything where we question what God says about us. Anything where we've bought into what the world says or culture says. And then it becomes demonic when the, in, we give into it in such a way. Like the carnal mind is going to be what tells you, go get a hot fudge sundae. Okay, that's not the spirit. The Holy Spirit's not like, hey, you are so good today. Let's go celebrate with a hot fudge Sunday. It's my favorite thing to eat. Okay, Holy Spirit's not going to say that. Okay? All right. The carnal mind's going to say that. Now, you can choose to do that. But if you're getting need met to do that, a need to feel um, uh, important, a need to feel... Oh, I'm important is not a good word. For that. I, I, like I'm rewarding myself. I preach so good tonight. I'm going to go get, everybody's going to go get a hot fudge Sunday tomorrow because your, your carnal minds are cooking into this. The best place to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I could tell you, right? That place near me. Anyhow. But, okay, when does it cross into demonic? When you got to have a hot fudge Sunday, And then you have to have more sugar. And then you have to have more sugar. And pretty soon you're meeting a need of not feeling loved, you're meeting the need of not caring anymore. You, all of a sudden, your appetite, your appetite is so strong that even when your mind knows this is not good for me, the doctor would tell me not to do this, this is terrible for my health. When you cross that line, when your brain reasoning knows this isn't a one-time thing, this has become a habit that's destroying my health. At that point, you have turned it over to a demonic spirit. You've either got a food addiction, a sugar addiction, gluttony, whatever. And, and, and the purpose of that is to kill you and destroy you. And everybody can get free from that. It's the same with pornography. It's the same with alcohol. It's the same with anything that, that takes of an appetite that's okay. It's okay to have, the Bible says, pleasant food sometimes. It's okay, you know, if it's your birthday to eat a cupcake or whatever. And, and the more you try to discipline yourself to never do something, the more bondage you're going to get in. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like, no, you have, a, you have a free will to reason. So that's where you sit there. And just using this sample, you're like, you know what? What do I want my life to be like in 10 years? If I keep giving into this appetite, whichever appetite, 
what will my life look like in 10 years? Well, if you keep giving into pornography, you're going to be some gross, sick, little, dirty old person 10 years from now. And you're not going to have a real meaningful relationship and you're not going to have a decent relationship and you're not going to be able to be who you want to be in Christ. And you're going to walk around in shame and destroy relationships. Okay. If the appetite you decide to give into is eating way horrible foods for you, then you're going to have a really hard time uh, being healthy when you're old. You, you, you may die a lot younger than you're supposed to and never glorify God. You're not going to pop in there and he go, yay, well done, good and faithful servant. What are you doing here 10 years early and haven't done anything except given to that spirit? You get to choose. Don't ever think you don't get, and quit blaming it on your metabolism. We're not, it's not about being skinny mini. It's about being healthy. I don't care what metabolism you have. You can feed it healthy food. You can exercise it. It's not going to make you who God didn't make you to be. He's not about vanity, but he is about healthy. Your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says to love him with all your strength. Can you? Strength means your physical strength. That means you can dance. That means you can hold up your hands. You can stand up. I'm not condemned. I believe and I'm going to be able to do that into my old, old age. I'm just going to tell you this because this is too funny. Some of you know. I seriously asked God about two weeks, about three weeks ago, Lord, help my posture and help me get upper arm strength. I said, because every time I would try to do weights or something, I would start to get a headache. And then my brain's like, you can't do, you're, you just can't even do this. So when I went to, to, to my beach house, you know, to get it ready for, <laughs> for next season, I hired somebody to come and paint, but they couldn't come, but they had come enough to put primer on the wall in the hallway. So it had to be done by Friday or no, I actually got a few extra days now, but by like Friday, I had no choice but to paint. I've never painted anything in my life and, and I probably won't ever again, but this was the hardest thing to paint. Because it was that old paneling, this vinyl-like, you know, the really old 70s paneling. So you had to outline 140 lines, like paneling lines, three times. You had to put this plaster stuff on, not just regular primer. I mean, it was unbelievable. I spent 30, over 30 hours. Well, then I thought, well, I'll get going and they're going to come. Then I thought, okay, well, they can come and just do the final primer part, you know, so it looks good. No, they, they had kidney stone attack the day they were supposed to come and do this. So thank God I listened to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I'd be standing there with guests coming in 24 hours or, and not have it done. But I had done it all the way along the way. Well, here's my thing. I thought, dang, I'm, I'm, I got a little bit of muscles. And I did not get a migraine, which is a miracle. For me to look up in that position for 30-some hours, three, four days in a row, um, seriously, it, it was breaking the power of fear of getting a migraine. It really was. And then I thought, I am not going to lose this. There's no way I did all this. And so, you know, I went home and bought a total gym. If you don't, can't afford total gym, you can get little weights, do whatever. I just threw mine out at the trash today. But anyhow, my other one, because it just was too beat up and old. I got it. So, of course, I got on first like a nut like I do, and I overdid it. Like I'm doing these pull-ups on it and I'm, I could do it though. Before I couldn't even do it. Before I painted for 30 hours, you guys, I would have done like one and been like, <laughs> my legs were strong, but not, but I could do it. But man, I overdid it. I watched that little video and I'm like, this and that. And I'm like, I'm going boy for an hour. I couldn't move. Y'all are lucky I was preaching on Sunday. I was like, yeah. So I thought, okay, okay, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I don't want to have a headache for two days. I was kind of headachy, not terrible, but kind of painful. So what did I do? I finally thought, well, I asked God about my, I looked up 
exercises on the total gym for posture. Guess what? They had them. So nice and slowly, I begin to do them. And I'm still, that's where I'm still at that. And, and it's like, oh, but I literally have muscles again. And I don't have that really older lady stuff that I had even last year. And um, it's because he didn't come and do it for me. I asked sincerely. I had to then work. I had to then ask for grace. I had to not murmur and complain. I had to not go try to hire somebody else. I had to finish a job I didn't want to do that was really, really hard to get me past my fear of getting a migraine and to build strength in a very consecutive way with grace by God. And then I knew if I don't keep this up, then I did all that for one week of having some arm strength. And I came home and did something about it right then. Okay? So don't say it's because of this or that. It's because I asked God believing and that he shows up in a way I wasn't expecting. Thank God if he said, hey, I want you to paint for 30 some hours. And when you, I felt like the karate kid, you know, <laughs> he's cleaning his stuff. And, uh, yeah. and I'm like, but, but I caught on that this was way grace that I was doing this, that God had set this apart for me to do this. And why am I telling you this? Because some people have pretended faith that it's just going to go away on its own. They're just going to be healthy on their own. That no matter what happens, it won't affect them. It's a lie from the pit of hell based on pretended faith. And it kills people before they need to go. And your family watches and people watch. It takes away, whether you like it or not, it takes away from your witness. Because I'm not talking skinny mini. I'm talking about healthy. I'm talking about being serious, about loving him with all your strength. Do I expect that if I live to be however old I live to be, if it's really old, that I might have to work harder or it's going to be different? I think it'll be different, but I still think I'll be pretty healthy. I really believe that. I just believe that. Because I'm going to keep asking him. Because you can find people in the Bible who are really healthy and really old ages. Is it too late? It's never too late. Does it mean you might have to go through a little bit more and take a little longer and, and work a little harder? Yes. Why? Because you didn't before. That's why it took me 30 hours of straight painting and also... I'm just going to get, because this is YouTube, this is going to be on YouTube so you can do DIYs. Here's my DIY tip. When you put that tape up to paint, the painter's tape, don't buy the cheap stuff, and don't put it up and then paint the plaster stuff over it and then paint coat one and two over it in five days and then go and think you can just pull it down. You can't. So then what do you do? You cry. You say, oh, John's going to be so mad. This is going to tear up. And then you go, and then you look at how to do it. Oh, man, I was supposed to take that down as I went along. It's been two days since I painted. I thought if it dried really good, then. So what did I do? I prayed. I said, God, please. I, really, I seriously sat down on the stool I was at, and I cried. And I said, God, please, 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 God. Show me how to do this. Help me do this. Please, God, help me do this. So I went up, and I saw we have to get a razor blade. You guys, do y'all know how much? This is a long hallway, and there is that trim everywhere. So, And there's, I don't know, eight doors or something, all trimmed, and a little closet trimmed, and the stairs trimmed, everything with tape. And I'm a bad taper, so it was like triple taped. It took me four and a half hours, and that was with grace, to razor blade all of that off of there. But I did. And I had grace. And I just thought, and I had to do that because the people were coming the next day. I just thought, I've seen the commercials. Just, there it comes off. No. And I did not use 
oil paint. Oil paint, it doesn't matter, but it matters in water-based paints. And I learned that after the fact. I'm just telling you, it's okay to ask for grace for stupid stuff that you did. First, you ask for mercy. I said, God, John didn't want me to paint this. God, please, please help me. Please help me. I mean, I like, God, please have mercy. Please, that was so dumb. Please forgive me. I should have checked how to do that. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me for judging. Forgive me for thinking somebody was overpaid who ever painted it. God, forgive me. Please help me. Please. I'm telling you, serious. Do you really pay? I pray for stuff like that. I pray for stuff. See, I pray all the time. I don't wait till there's a horrible, terrible thing. Although this was kind of horrible and terrible. But I pray all the time. Then, then I got, you know, don't, don't do any of this. Don't do it this way. So I saw these big, after all that, I saw these big blobs of seafoam green paint on oak um, trim. It shows up. So what did I do? I was also sanding. I had sanding stuff to work on my cabinets upstairs. So I went and I sanded those big globs of paint. But because I really had the, the wax stuff, it's perfect. It covered right over it. I was like, ooh, high five. But should I recommend, in case it hadn't worked, only sand one little spot that's unnoticeable first and try it there. But I thought, ah, eh, sand it looks better than bl big blob of seafoam green where it doesn't belong. I'm just telling you, why do I tell you this stuff? Why do I tell? Because he's real. He, he's, he, he's the comforter when I sat there and cried about my paint job, okay? He might have to comfort John when John sees it next week too. But anyhow, <laughs> it, it came out better than I thought. Um, I cried so much. It was too funny. Anyway, I almost called some of you guys from this church to get and help me, but I thought I can do this. But he, he will help you with cooking. He will help you with everything. If you're not living in pretended faith, you're living a life of faith. You're living a life where he will help you when you mess up, when you ask for mercy. He will help you with your kids. He will help you where you messed up your marriage. He is a guy where he looks for you to repent, and then he looks for you to cry out for mercy, and then he's right there. He's so good. He's not there to beat you up. He's not there to tell you how stupid you are. He's not, he's not going to tell you you're stupid. You're made in his image and his likeness. He's not going to tell you you're ugly. You're made in his image and his likeness. He's just amazing. And this isn't to bring condemnation on anybody. You know, whatever you're going, some of you, when you look at your past, I'm amazed you're still alive, thank God. Probably most of you. But then I'm just saying, you really have choices to make. And so let me, let me end with this. If you want real faith, start out in everyday life and build your faith. Start out in everyday life and build your faith. And how do you build faith? Just like the paint job. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew if I did this, first of all, it might be terrible but I would probably, and it, it wasn't easy. He did not make it easy. I mean, it wasn't like I had to do two coats after priming with the plaster stuff. But I asked for grace. Grace for what? Great. You know what grace looks like at my house? I got up at six o'clock to paint. People, I don't even get out of bed until eight. Because I don't usually go to sleep until four or something. But, but he, got, he, he woke me up like feeling like painting. Like, woohoo! I'm thinking, am I nuts? What is this? I never, I don't even, I didn't even get up for anything at six in the morning. And I want to go paint. I couldn't think of anything but painting. Like, I'm going to go paint. Woohoo! I'm, I'm telling you this seriously. Get a day-to-day -day real walk with the Lord don't try to build your faith in the middle of the worst emergency ever. And I was talking to somebody today who, who's gone through a really powerful trial. And they've really come out amazingly changed. But now it's a different season. Now they have to go home to the grace 
to take care of your children and the grace to clean your house and the grace for some people to also have a job and do that and a grace to handle the pet. You know what I'm saying? There's this different kind of grace that's poured out in the, when you've learned to ask for it and to walk in it. You know what I'm saying? There's a different kind of grace than when you just need something for everyday life. We need grace for everyday life. You need grace. When you want to tell your husband off, not that any of you would ever do that, or your wives, none of you guys, none. Okay, some of you would. I'm not going to lie here. I'm f you too. You need to start asking for grace. Lord, give me grace right now. Give me, help me see them the way you do. Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing, the, the prayer that's so simple and needed almost every single day of your life is a prayer for grace. God's supernatural empowerment to do those things that you're asking him, to, that you need him to help you to do. If it's something you're afraid of, ask for grace. If it's a situation you don't want to go tell it. Here, kids, listen to this one. Kids, listen. If you got to go say something to your parents and tell them something you know they're not going to be happy about, you don't lie. You don't try to cover it up. You ask God for grace and mercy. Say, Lord, give me mercy because I really messed this thing up. And then, God, give me grace to say what you want me to say, to face what you want me to face. And then, Lord, I'm going to leave this. It's going to be in your hands. But I'm going to do what I need to do. Some people need grace just to be honest about things at work or anywhere else. If, if I can help you to, if I can model grace for you, because there's going to be no faith without grace. Because God's got to empower me to have faith. God's got to empower me to learn his word. He's got to empower me to spend time with him. He's got to empower me. He's got to do it all. But I have to ask. And when you get into pretended faith, you're trying to do it based on hid knowledge. And there's no grace in that. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.